Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the nine to five mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, Lars Lindstrom here from Creative Income. Welcome back to the podcast. I am the worst. I apologize. I took two weeks off. That was not my intention. I just got real caught up in the work that I'm on right now, and uh, I will try and be better about that in the future. Uh, What I really need is to spend a day to record three or four or five or six episodes um, and just have them all lined up so that I can just schedule them uh, for release. So what I need in order to do that, though, is I is I need a little bit of help. So if you are someone or know of someone that I can record on the podcast that you think is killing it as a creative, uh, maybe got a couple of side hustles going as a creative, um, send them my way. Just uh, shoot me a text if you got my number. If you don't, I'm on Instagram at jlarsl uh, or Facebook, Lars Lindstrom, or we're on the Creative Income Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So uh, look me up any way you can. Send me some recommendations. I would love to get some of these things lined up so that I can get them to you. Um, we're having a great time, though. I'm, I'm loving the work I'm doing up in uh, Utah right now. We just wrapped... Uh, a fighting drama with um, director Rob Diamond, who is our guest actually this week on the podcast. He was kind enough to, after we wrapped, uh, spend an hour with me in his office and and talk about his uh, film journey. Um, he's he's great. He's uh, an independent filmmaker. Has been doing this independently for his entire life uh, since you know I guess the last thirty years. Um, you're gonna enjoy it. He's he's got some really fun stories and uh, I had a lot of fun. He's a fun guy. And we make a lot of really cool stuff together. So um, I'm, I just wrapped that film. I've got another film starting this week, um, starting this Sunday, actually. A little Christmas film in Salt Lake City. It's going to be a blast. Um, first time director for me. Um, first time producer. So I mean, they're not first time directors or producers. This is my first time working with them. So that's always, you know, I'm always a little bit nervous when I, when I get into these situations. But they generally turn out very positive. So I'm hoping the same goes with this one. Anyway, thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the episode. Rob Diamond, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate your time. And uh, this is take two of the podcast so far. We had a little <laughs> technical glitch, malfunction. This is uh, what happens when a cinematographer tries to, you know, <laughs> dip into his feet into audio. It's um, all good. Yeah, cool, man. Well, thanks thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Uh, would you mind um, just telling the audience who you are, where you come from, and how you kind of got uh, started as a director? Yeah, uh, my name is Rob Diamond. Um, I'm now living in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've been here, gosh, for I think 96 or 97 when I moved here. Mm. Um, came out here to do a, a film with Mickey Rooney from Dana Point, California. I, I started in the business as a young man and young, young, uh, late teen, a model got discovered on the beach in California. One hot summer day, a bunch of suits came running across the sand and asking me if I want to do a commercial for Coke. Is that Coke. a true story? They like suits came running across literally, the sand. Literally. Well, they, it was like the sea part is like, imagine just a bunch of tan people on the beach in a hot summer California day and people in suits and ties and business people, I forget how many they were, but they're enough to, you know, go, this is odd. Yeah. And they're like, they said, you know, we just want to talk to you about a commercial for Coca-Cola. And I was like, okay. And they wanted to use me for it. And it was a summer love story, me and a girl. And so there was some acting involved, but I had never done acting or modeling. And I was a little embarrassed. Why? 
I don't know. My friends, I had some friends there and I had already been on four episodes of American Bandstand and I got razzed for it. <laughs> you know, I was young. And so being, I didn't, you know, being a commercial and actor, I, it, that wasn't in my thought process. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was a surfer. I was into girls and do you and remember surfing. what did you want? What did you want to be before? Did you, did you have any inkling or idea? The only thing I ever really thought of doing is I wanted to be a veterinarian at one point. And then <laughs> around at that time, you know, I think it was 18, 16, 8, 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there. I was, I was a, I was apprenticing to be a pressman. I don't um, know what that is. What's a pressman? Well, it's when you working on a printing press when they did newspapers and and, and things like that. I, it was a, it was a, it was a smaller company and. Um, Why did you want to be a pressman? It it just kind of fell into it. It was good money, and oh. I could work. I think I I started working like three three or four twelves, and then I had three or four days off. And uh-huh. um, you know, I was young. I didn't really know. But once I started doing modeling and print work, I did a lot of commercials. I ended up doing mm-hmm. you know working in L.A. Minute Maid, Hope, Coke, Conda, Toshiba. My biggest campaign was Levi. I was a Levi's Five Hundred One Blues guy Ooh. for a Hollywood spot, and you know made a lot of money and and. That catapulted me um, into modeling, which I didn't love. Um, I, I always love. I just love being in front of the camera. And so, in, in front of the camera or, mm-hmm. or behind the it, camera? I love being in front of the camera. But then I did my first movie out here with Mickey Rooney, and I I can't remember the the year. It was ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere around there. I did. A, I got cast in a film with Mickey Rooney in an independent film called The Face on the Barroom Floor. And were you out in California at the time? You were no, cast I was in? here. I was kind of. I was. I was going. I was going through a divorce. It was a little bit. You know, I was because I, I got out of the business for a while, and I was, um, it, I was working for corporate America, and <laughs> I really wanted to get back into acting. So it was in my you know late twenties or something like that. Yeah, whenever that was, and so I started studying film acting, and I came out here, and it, there was a market here. A friend of mine, uh, Dallin Smith, who's been a friend of mine forever, um, he said, you know, there's an agency out here; they get work all the time. I was like, really? So. Um, I made a pit stop out here, and I, I got an agency and booked my first job as an actor with Mickey Rooney, and we filmed. I think it was two weeks, maybe three weeks. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, I love the process. They shot on thirty-five millimeter film and had all the bells and whistles. And I wasn't in love with the writing of it, and I didn't know that back then. But you know, you don't really say anything. I had a, I think I probably had a, I didn't, I didn't articulate it very well with the director about the writing, so. I had changed some some of the dialogue in a scene, and at first he was kind of offended, but he goes, "Okay, you could do it." <laughs> and so I did it. And after that, I got, I got the bug. I was like, "These guys are doing this. Let me make a film." Yeah. And so I went out and raised some money. I raised thirty grand, and I, I wrote a feature. I, I took I, you know I studied screenwriting a little bit privately, um, did some research on it, and you know understood enough about story, character development, structure, formatting. What gave? But what gave you the drive or the, I guess, balls to just go to do out and it. make a film? I don't know because I remember people saying that at the time. There's a few people I knew that had that were graduating from film school, and they're like, "You can't do that." And I was like, "Why can't I do it?" Yeah, I, I learned by doing, and I, you know, I'm all about school. Um, I never went to school. I have to go out and I have to get in the trenches and I have to learn. Yeah, and and so I just di- I just did it. I knew I needed a, a story that I wanted to tell. I knew I needed to write it. I knew enough to know I needed to raise the money. I needed to do post-production. What I didn't think about is distribution. At the time, you know, you know, Sundance being in the backyard as an artist, you think, oh, everybody's going to love my art. And, you know, you learn the hard way that, that, they, don't. that they don't. And so I, um, you know, I, but I had the courage and 
the the vision to get it done. It was a great experience. And I think I was telling you earlier, the best part of that film was the behind the scenes if someone would have filmed it. <laughs> Why? Because it was such a disaster? Just a, well, a nightmare as far as, you know, we left, we filmed Utah, Vegas, and California, a caravan of cars. We The first one we lost 30 minutes into it going over the point of the mountain, it blew up. It blew up. Yeah. And so... And then I get to Vegas and we're filming, which I, you know, never go to Vegas unless you're a seasoned producer and you have the reins on everybody because it's, you know, two or three in the morning and I can't find my lead actors. I don't know where my DP is. We take a little break and everybody's out gambling or drinking. Yeah. And I finally get the shots I wanted to and then ended up in, you know, finishing the picture in, in California on the beach. And it was a great experience, but. Yeah. Whatever, I, whatever happened to the film? Uh I, it never got released. Uh, I, I, you know, at the time, there really wasn't a real market for independent films for streaming. DVD was part of it, but I hadn't, um, not DVD, VHS. That was um, 97, 98? 97, 98. So DVD wasn't even not around. No, DVD was around. Was then. it around then? Yeah, but I think barely. Barely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there it just, it never seen the light of day. We had a few screenings of it. Yeah. And people enjoyed it, but I... <laughs> What did, so what did you what did you tell your investors when you know it's like mostly friends and family and okay. my credit card and the few people that I had known they they knew I didn't you know I wasn't an empty promise guy just saying hey I'm making a film I don't know what, what's going to happen with it want to help me out do you want to help me out yeah and so it wasn't me you know going hey I'm gonna I'm gonna raise money and here's an official you know contract and you know it's probably, here, it's probably cheaper than a film degree. Yeah, for me, yeah, and that's <laughs> how know? I learned. Yeah. I mean, some really good yeah. things uh, came out of it. You know, I really discovered pretty quickly that I'm very much an actor's director. Mm. Um, I'm very performance oriented. I, I, I love to get in the trenches with actors, and they they tend to trust me, and I speak their language. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it, I, I love. I mean, I've worked. I've done three films with you now, yeah. and I love as a DP that you're an actor's director. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I love the ability to just say, "Here's more or less the direction I'm going to go," and you say. That sounds great, man. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. Like I was telling you earlier, it, it, to me, it, it's such a collaborative process, filmmaking. Yeah. And I know my strengths. I know, you know, I, I write, I direct, I produce, and I, I surround myself with really talented people like you that, that you know, are have they're an artist behind the camera. And I come in with, you know, if I have an opinion, but I, I allow people to spread their wings creatively. And I think that's how you get the best out of people is to trust them. And, and then if something comes in that I'm not congruent with, to say something in a way that doesn't make me seem like, you know, I'm a, I'm a jerk, mm-hmm. but more that I'm, you know, here's what I think, what do you think? And then we always fall on, you know, end on what's right for it. And sometimes I, I think people, uh, they try to control too much. Mm. I'm trying to make a movie that I can market that's still congruent with kind of the the message I want to get out there, whatever that, whatever that is to me, you know, yeah. what type of films I want to put out in the world. And it's to me, it's all about collaboration. And if people don't really understand that, they're just running a dictatorship. So let's talk about that. You, you have your first film was a flop. Yeah. Never released it. Yep. 30,000 bucks. Yep. So you start to realize that the big variable you're missing is distribution. Distribu- oh, distribution. Oh, hands down. It took me a few films to still understand that. Right. Okay, so, yeah. so talk to me about your journey then. So you did this so, first one, a few people saw it, cast and crew, and they, yeah. it was a fun experience, but uh, Sundance wasn't uh, knocking at your door to get this movie to you know, premiere at their whatever. So yeah. So what did you do then from that point moving forward? Did I, you make I took film? a breather. I took a breather for about two or three years. And um, 
I wasn't really, I wasn't discouraged by it because I, I didn't have high expectations financially for it. Uh-huh. Um, and the people involved didn't either. But I did kind of go drag, draw back to the drawing board and, you know, and I was teaching film acting, like I was saying, I was developing my skills, really working with film actors and, and writing scenes and working on screenplays. And I think it was like, oh, I don't know, 2000, maybe two, three, four years later, um, I started working with my um, my sister's son, my nephew, who I was really close with. And he, you know, came into some money, you know, really good in the mortgage industry. Oh, nice. And he was kind of like, let's go make films. I'll produce them. And so... The, the 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 full plan still still wasn't in 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 development or or fine tuned. I, I mean, I came up with an idea for a film called Propensity about three guys in the prime of their life who take their lives, and now they're they're traveling in some no man's land somewhere between heaven, hell, and earth, and they're trying to make right the wrongs. And mm-hmm. so it was really heavy, really cool film. We decided, okay, well, we need a name actor. To, and then we could sell. And I had known a friend of mine who had gotten to some, you know, other smaller distro companies that were going into, you know, Blockbuster and Hollywood video. So I I, I booked Danny Trejo for three days. Wow. And cool. got him out there. And He's kind of a legend. <laughs> he is. He was really cool to work with. It was, you know, it was a SAG film. And um, I made him cry. He was like, you're the first director who's ever made me cry in a movie. <laughs> um, but he was really cool. And, you know, we, we went on, we had some, we had some bites on distribution that they wanted at the time. And, and my producing partner, my nephew was like, at the, at the time he was like, it's, I don't, I don't like the deal. Oh, I, it's wow, not, wor- it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it to me. So we kind of held, he kind of held on to it. it. I think for him, it, it showed at some film festivals and people really responded to it, but it's a very, um, even though it, it it had some faith in it, it was kind of it was dark mm-hmm. and artsy, and people either loved it and it was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest film, or it was too deep for him. <laughs> but we got some distribution um, bikes that people wanted to take it out. I think like the, the couple these company wanted to go haul, uh, um, blockbuster and Hollywood video. But uh, the investor didn't want to, so he just held on to it. To this day, it's never seen the light of day. No kidding. What was the name of the film? Propensity. Propensity. I still think I could release it. I've been talking to him about it lately. Do you remember what you shot that on? Um, Panasonic VH. Yeah, v- like the something one 100? Yeah. VH100? Uh, not the VH. I can't. Or maybe it was the VH100. It was a bigger actually. bodied yeah, camera. 1, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was a bigger bodied camera than the Canon XL1, which is what that I shot, shot first my film. first film. <laughs> um, you know, and it looked nice. I had, I had a decent cinematographer, um, Kells Goodman. Oh, nice. No, did Kells shoot it? No, Dave Sapp. I'm sorry, a friend of mine who passed okay. away recently oh. shot it. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, my nephew had some money, went right into another one, a really cool script I wrote about the final two weeks of Elvis Presley's life called Tears of a King. And I cast a really great Elvis impersonator actor out of, uh, out of Las Vegas. I saw him. And, yeah. I saw him in a show there and he was so good. I was like, I was, I came to him and said, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I'm doing this film on Elvis. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing led to another. He knew I was real. And I, I had, it was basically the final two weeks of his life where he was living in his room in, at Graceland. And I, and you can't, if you go to Graceland, you can't get up to the second floor to see his room. It was his sanctuary. Yeah. But I found some existing blueprints of it. 
and recreated it and recreated it. Um, a guy named uh, Clark Schaefer, who's a genius when it comes to set decoration. He he like designed the modern day Iron Mask, Iron Man mask. Really? Uh, he did like like the older you know older Batman's with Jack, and then yeah, he yeah. he did like the mini the mini cities and all that. Yikes. So he he just designed the whole room and. You know, I it, it was a cool film. It was very different, a very unique take on Elvis. And at the time, they were owned by Elvis Presley Enterprises. And one of the other producers had, you know, done some research. And we didn't feel like we'd have a problem. We didn't have use any of Elvis's, him singing. The guy who played the lead sang all the songs. And a lot of them weren't even ones that Elvis sang. Like, I had him do um, songs that were done in modern day hmm. in Elvis's voice. And people would hear it and go, I didn't know he sang that. I was like, well, because he didn't. He didn't. He yeah, because we don't. We can't afford the rights. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. But what ended up happening, I had a distribution company. They saw it at a film festival, and they were taken out to 400 theaters nationwide. Wow. It was a big break for me, going to go national. And then all of a sudden, we got wind that Elvis Presley Enterprises was bought out. And they sh- the company bought out shut everybody down. They sucked. They st- stuck their lawyers on us. Mm. I mean, it was getting some press nationally on, you know, on the web and people were excited to see it and they just their legal team shut us down that was a heartbreak for me because that that was a really really cool unique film was that your so that was your third that film? was my third film let me ask you this at this point had you been profitable on any film no because the the first one was didn't it, was it, yeah. the, the second one the investor just held on to it uh-huh. and this third one it was the same investor and another guy and the legal shut down yeah. and they had it all they handled all the business stuff at that point at that point I kind of focused on the creative. I'm going to write it. I'm going to direct it. You know, yeah, I, I wasn't even producing at that point. And, yeah. and after that one, I, I had such high hopes. I kind of, I went back to the drawing board. I was like, you know what? I, I've got to really take the time and, and, and go from concept to screen and make sure that, you know, I, at least I've got serious, deep interest in distribution before I even make the film. Yeah. And, and so I did a film. I, I, I wrote it with another, uh, it was a girl, it was her life story, and her and her husband financed it. And um, it was called Once Upon a Summer. And uh, it's a very niche market film. Um, and it got picked up for distribution and did really well. Was it like a rom-com type thing? Uh, no, it was, a, it was a summer coming of age story about two girls. Mm-hmm. What, and they're, they're, they're reliving their past as best friends. And what they went through one summer and how they drifted apart and how one of them is is sick and she's, they've gone their own separate ways. And she calls her best friend to reminisce and they go back in time and just relive these wonderful, sweet moments. And it did really well. And what I learned on that is, you know, I was being hired at that point to write and direct. I was like, uh, no more. I went back in. Yeah. And so. Sorry, I'm just going to adjust your mic. There we go. Okay. Yeah. And so I just... I just started to reevaluate and, and change my thought process. I'm going to start writing, not only writing and directing, but I'm going to be the main producer on all these. Mm-hmm. And and so I. So what I was the distribution that. of that film? Was it, was it a theatrical release? Um, no, it a, it, I think it went to maybe a couple theaters locally, and mm-hmm. then it just went. It went to DVD. And it did really streaming well. wasn't really at the time. It wasn't. No. I mean, it was all over Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. Oh, cool. And then I, uh, I think right after that, I did that, that film with uh, Troy Hinckley, How We Met, the yeah. sound, our sound designer, filmmaker buddy. It's just just in, time. in Time. Yeah. And they had, they had written that as a TV series, like in 
and I the in the in the last last minute their writer and it kind of fell through. So they they came to me as like, hey, will you move to Rexburg, Idaho? I'm like, well, what? We're doing this TV series and the right is not fully written and we got the money and we're gonna do and it's like okay so I'm literally writing episodes with Troy between filming. I, they moved me up there for like three months, but I told them at the time I said, look, we need to make every one of these episodes right now. If you got the money for three or four of them, we need. I need to write it in a way where they connect, and if it doesn't sell for TV, you have a feature. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Whoa! So you shot it expecting it to be a TV series, thirty-minute episodes. But you said let's let's make sure we we also cover ourselves here mm-hmm. and make a movie out of this in yeah. case it doesn't sell. Yeah. And so what happened? I I think they went to go to sell it, and someone in Canada it didn't sell as a TV series. TV series, as you know, are difficult to film, and mm-hmm. especially at that time when there wasn't as much need for content. That the major studios, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, they were they you know they were doing pilots and having their own outlets. Mm-hmm. And so it, it didn't sell to any one of those. There's no takers there, but a company out of Canada bought the idea to do a cartoon called Just In Time, and it still exists to this day. No kidding. Yeah, and then they end up making a feature. So I wrote it the best I could. I mean, I look back now and go, oh boy. Well, <laughs> if we're not but, looking back five years after the fact and yeah. saying, oh boy, then we're not doing it right. But at least they were able to make a feature out of it and get it, get it, you know, in the foreign market. Mm. Um, I think Artist View picked it up and then it was in Blockbuster Hollywood video. And so I just started, you know, understanding, you know, really what it took to produce films. Yeah. The financing, you know, the, the budgeting, you know, uh, you know, to at least before I make a film, I have a good concept and idea and go to people and see if they're interested in it. And that's what I do to this day because very rarely is someone just going to say, here, here's this money for my company, go make it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to base it on my history, um, what I'm capable of doing and go, hey, we really love that idea. But at that point, I want to at least have something and I could have fallback distribution companies. I know we're going to take it. But then who knows? And so I stay open to it. What if someone, what if I get a bigger bite on it? Hmm. You know, like my film Wayward that I did was a modern day version of The Prodigal Son. I I knew I had some go-to people on it for distribution and I didn't sign anything. I just, I knew who I could go to. And then someone saw it at a film festival and just paid me cash for it. No way. Yeah. What'd you make that film for? I made it for I think 57,000 and and it wasn't a big pity, but I sold it for over 100,000 cash and so everybody doubled their money. Yeah, amazing. Right away. Yeah. And then it went to like 90 or 100 theaters. Yeah. Some people are saying, hold on to it, hold on to it. And I was like, you know, if someone's gonna offer me to double someone's money as an independent filmmaker, I I had to do that. You have to. I have to, I had to, you know, get my investors their money back and- That was a great film, man. I, I loved that film. I, I thought the, the performances were amazing. You yeah. were you were a star in that film as well. Yeah, I wrote, direct, produced, and played the dad <laughs> in it, and yeah, it was a that that's a lot to handle. I don't recommend that to people to write, direct, produce, and play the lead. But yeah, probably. Well, you were the not the lead. Were you the lead? Well, in that the film? dad was. Yeah, you know, I guess the, he star, the was. star was the son, but the mom and dad were the main. Yeah, you're right. Trying to get their son back, so yeah. I was in the movie almost as much as the the son. Yeah, but you know, you you do things. You make choices that are, are that serve the purpose of the film, and at the time, uh, I didn't feel like I could trust another actor to do what I wanted him to for that part. Hmm. It was going to be more of a pain 
to try to extract that performance than just do it myself. It was a pretty heavy performance. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. watching that film right before, I think you had hired me already for Love Everlasting, mm -hmm. and there was a few months out from yeah. when we started Principal Photography. And that was the one I watched, because I had already seen Just In Time because of Troy. Yeah. And then I watched Wayward, The Prodigal Son, um, to kind of get a feel for it. And I, I remember just, I, I, th I think at one point, I was so performance heavy that I was just like in tears. Yeah, it's an emotional <laughs> film. It was emotional. And film. I had really, yeah. I think my, my storytelling and the type of movies I want to tell had really come to fruition at that point. Yeah. Now, my next question is, how are you making films for $57,000? Um. Because uh, let me let me just say yeah. like I I'm I'm producing a film at the end of the year for two hundred fifty thousand dollars and I'm like scared out of my mind because I I don't know if I have enough money, so it's like what do you how are you how are you able to use your contacts your networks, uh, your whatever and maybe there's something I'm missing here to make a film that you can sell for a hundred grand for you know and, and still be profitable on. Well, the the first thing it's about relationships. Um, I've taken the time to nurture and develop relationships over the years. I, I give a lot of people their first op real opportunity. Yeah. And people don't forget it. Mm. I, I, I've always had the ability, I don't know why, but I could see talent in people before they do. Mm. I could see, I, I, I get insight to their capabilities and abilities. Sometimes they know, but I, I just see it. I sense it. I sensed it with you. Yeah. Uh, my that, was, that was a big break for me. Yeah, my editor. I mean, and so what I do is I think uh, I just try to develop relationships and I just try to be fair with people. I'm like, hey, here's what it is. Um, here's what I can pay you. I, I, people always want to get something out of everything they do. So if it's not financial compensation, it has to be creative compensation or at least a stepping stone to show people what they're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done is I, I think I've, you know, given people the opportunity to understand the process of filmmaking. Yeah. And so a lot of them will come back and we have a good time. I'm not, I'm not asking for a month of their time. It's, you know, this last one was an eight day feature, <laughs> 10 days, you know, eight days. We were shooting 10 pages a day. Yeah, um, crazy. I don't ask a lot of time and I'm super organized. I think I'm as organized as any big budget film. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of pre-production. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I, I hope. Yeah, we shot, we shot 30 pages of fight sequence. In three days. Three days. Yeah. Well, and that has a lot to do with you and, you, you know, your crew. Right. I, I knew at that point that I needed someone like you that can work fast and good on the fly yeah. and, and understood. It was a challenge for me. And I think that was, like you're saying, like there was a creative compensation for me. Obviously, like the film we just wrapped didn't have a huge budget. Yeah. You know, didn't. and, uh, but it but didn't But it doesn't matter. mean low quality. No, it didn't. It, and, yeah. and you, when you approached me about it, you said, fighting yeah. Adam yeah. and you can do whatever you want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's because like, I knew what you said I was going to love. Yeah. I knew you wanted it a little bit gritty. Uh -huh. I knew you wanted that, the, that color tone handheld. we talked about handheld, Yeah. you know, and, and, I, and we wanted it widescreen. Uh -huh. And so I, I think those are ways that I keep making films. It's, it's not that I, I want to make all these low budget films because low, when I think low budget, I don't think low quality. I'm doing high quality films on a very humble budget. Yeah. But people feel that they have something at stake in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important. They don't feel like they're just a hired gun and that I don't care. I, I love when people do work with me and they go off and get three more films because they just worked with me. Yeah. And another thing too is my films get distributed. And so people have something to show for it. They go, I worked on this film. Really? What film did you work on? 
we'll go, it's on Amazon Prime or it's here or it's there. Yeah. And they have something to show as a professional for it. Right. That's high quality. Yeah, that's high quality. Yeah. And, and maybe it may have been low budget and it was their first break or whatever, but it was a high quality piece of art. Yep. And 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 it makes them feel like they're part of something. And that's the only way I could I could think of how I do it because I never I never beg. I never I, I, I never uh, dissuade. I'm never, oh, it's going to do this, that. I'm like, here's what we're doing. Yeah. We're, we're doing this cool, I, I, here's a story. I hope you, you, you like the script. Here's what we're doing. Here's how I plan on distributing it. And do you want to come play for a while and create something cool? <laughs> and there's people who want yeah. to jump on a moving train. I learned that. And if you have, it, if you have somewhere to go, people want to go with you. Yeah. And then I and then I support other people in their endeavors, and I I talk I tell people I brag about you all the time, <laughs> you know I hope that from this one film you get five or six different connections because I always have people on my film that are producers and filmmakers. They might be you know working as a grip or a gaffer or or, or what you know whatever it is. They're filmmakers at heart, but they're filmmakers at heart, and these guys yeah. and girls are out there hustling and trying to get it done, and so it's a network that you try to create, and people respect that. I also get the sense now that you you did three your first three films were not financially whatever. Yeah. Right? You weren't able to get distribution on board, you weren't able to get your investors their money back. Yeah. And I think you maybe took that failure and maybe I'm I'm uh, you know uh, putting words in your mouth at the moment, but um uh, play with me for a second. Yeah. Did you take that failure and apply it in your life now and make sure that you have a plan? If you maybe, maybe you're not, uh, you know, it was like for the last two films we did, budgets were really low. Yeah. And, but that means that you're able to make the money back faster for your investors. So you keep overheads low. Yeah. You have some sort of plan on who the market is. Like uh, Lucy Shimmers, for example, I think was a very faith based film. Yeah. And so you knew. This will be a great video on demand film for yep. the Christian market. Yep. So, are, is that part of the plan now? Absolutely, yeah. and it's you know, it's you know, with streaming out there, it's a long term thing with my investors. My investors, I, I have films, you know, that I, you know, since I've hit this learning curve, that 10, 11, 12 years later, I'm still getting quarterly checks on. Mm-hmm. So, it's sometimes it's going to take longer to get out of the red and into the black. But if people see that, and and another thing too is you know. As part of my business plan, I'm, I, I have to carve out part of a deal where I'm sharing some points. Yeah. Um, sweat equity. Totally. And so, you know, you'll be getting, you've already gotten checks for Lucy Shimmers. You'll be getting yep. those. As long as that film makes money, you'll be getting a quarterly check. Yeah, which is nice for me. It's, it's yeah. a residual income. Yeah. Know? And so that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a library of films that I have um, ownership in. Um, for my future. I think there's a lot of people that um, that want the paycheck for the big film, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let's let's say a director gets hired for a film, the budget's half a million, he can walk away with 40 grand. Yeah. It's not a bad payday for this director, right? Yeah. Uh, what I like about what you're doing is you're almost approaching it as an asset thing, yes, right? It's that's like if I, I if I can make a film for 60 grand once a year, yep. twice a year, and build a library over 20 years of films that aren't, you know, like, Paying tons and tons of money, yeah. but over ten years they might they might trickle in thirty grand a film. Yeah, or you know? more, yeah. more than that. Yeah, or more than yeah, that. They're going to yeah. make way more than that in, in that ten year time period. They're going to. So you're be, almost you're almost building a retirement plan. That's my idea, and in the process of other people who you know, I've had people that have worked with me and and said they were promised points, and I had one guy said, "I've been in this business for thirty years, and I've never seen one dime from the point sale, except from you, Rob." You know what? 
I'm I fit that category. Yeah. I I can't tell you how many points I have on you know some of the first films I did in the beginning. Yeah. Never seen a dime. Yeah. And I don't count on it. And then all of a sudden yeah. when I started getting checks for the last film we did, you could count <laughs> like, on it from me. I was me. like, oh. And oh I you know I've gotten smart yeah. with my contracts with lawyers and mm -hmm. really really all the time crystal clear with investors. Here's what you're getting into. And basically when someone's putting money into my films, they're they, they got to know that it, you know. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how the market's going to change. They could lose. So I, I get people who know that it's a risk. Yeah. And they're okay. They're okay with that. I don't. I don't want someone's money that it's the money they've saved for their kids' school. Right. I won't even take that money. Yeah. It, it needs to be you know income that they have that they're willing to take a risk with. And I think, well, I'm I'm trying to get better and better and perfect the art of it. And along the way, you know, my my thought is I always tell, hey, I'm just trying to hit a single maybe slide head first into a double. <laughs> if I hit a triple or a home run or a grand slam, so be it. Yeah. But a filmmaker really can't count on that unless you're dealing with big studio films and they're releasing 10 films at a time and maybe two of them are going to be grand slams. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're savvy enough where you got the budget and you, you've got the, the talent, the bigger name actors and, you know, those relationships. Um, I don't have the budget to get the big name actors. I, some of my budgets, I get a, a name actor, mm -hmm. um, not many of them, but the story and the genre I'm trying to hit is the star of it. Yeah. You know, so I, I hit, I make them where I know the Christian market will hit it, but mainstream enough where it hits mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so they're tapping into both. Like well, Love Everlasting, the first yeah. one you shot, it's very mainstream. There's, it's not faith at all, but. There's but, some, there's some moments in there. There's, I think, uh, well, Christie's dad, Sean. Yeah, there was there were some faith moments. There was. Him, you know? So but the mainstream yeah. market totally accepted it, and the faith-based market didn't blink an eye either. So yeah. I try to make films that can cross over and and um you know I, I think this new one that we did together, Fighting Chances, it, it has that element, but it's gritty. I mean it's, it's about fighting. And it feels so, very mainstream too. It, it, it's yeah. a mainstream film, but I think I I, I I could still sell. I've already talked to my distribution companies that, mm. and they're all very interested in it. And I'm at the point now, they know my work, they know my writing, they know the quality of what I do. Yeah. And so I, what I do is I pitch an idea and I could tell by the tone of their voice, like by the time I get the end of the second sentence, they're like, when can you have it for me? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I know at that point that I feel safe enough going into one, spending the, the two or three months grinding out the script, you know, cause I, I rewrite scripts 15, 16, 20, 30 times until I get it right. Right. And so that now I've perfected it where I about probably three months, I think I could get a really good shooting script. Hmm. Um, but it, it goes down to an idea at first. Does my do my distribution connections even like the idea? Would you ever get to the point where you would self-fund your films entirely yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, is that kind of my you, dream? Is that, is that your dream? My yeah. dream. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, it's like you're making these these sixty, seventy thousand dollars films. If you, I'd fund, yeah. I'd fund all of them. But you know, it, it's it's a trickle in effect where I'm making a living and I'm teaching acting classes and I'm I pay myself very little to do the films. I pay myself enough just to cover my bills. Yeah. Um, I'm very not greedy with that part of it, but I do have certain amount of points that I take and I let investors know. Here's the split. Here's the Here's the money and then the producer split. And here's what I'm doing with my producer points. I'm taking many of those points and, I, and I'm giving them out as sweat equity because these people are worth every dime and I'm not paying them much. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like my deal. If I, you know, if I came to you and I'm offering you what you're worth, your daily rate, 
I'm not offering you any points no, of because not. I because I'm paying you for what you're worth. Yeah. But when I'm coming to someone who's a pro and seasoned and they're they're contributing greatly to my projects, I got to give up some of my points to make it worth their time to show them the value that I have in that person. Yeah. That I'm just because I'm not trying to get over on people. I'm not I'm not trying to do an independent film and lowball people. That's <laughs> my that's not my process. Uh-huh. You know, my process is I want everybody to to get something out of the project in in one way or another and and that's why I have a lot of people working for me, the talk same me, people. Talk me about your acting class a little bit, because th- what's neat for me is that your acting class is a weekly thing that yep. creates, generates enough income, I think, to kind of offset the times when you're not shooting films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what's really cool is that you give these students of yours opportunities to be in these films. Yeah. It's just been a magical pro- – like, my teaching is such a, a sacred thing to me. I've done it over, like I said, I think, I think this is – since 98 was my first acting Ooh, class. So it's been, wow. you know, 23 years. And it's just allowed me an opportunity to to dive in with actors and train people properly. There's very few you teachers. You also become that, your own talent. It's like, I, I like do. You, you're, you're able to like kind of weed out some of the some of the pros from the, yeah. you know. like <laughs> I, I see who has the chops and who's committed. You're, like, and, you're going to be my, my next lead yeah. in the film. And you get and, that opportunity. Yeah, and yeah. you see like the fruits of the labor. Like when we're on this last film and I had some, you know, newer students on there and some PAs that were kind of in awe of these performances. And I'm like, it just didn't happen. What you're seeing is you're seeing the the frosting. You're not seeing that it took these (laughs) actors two years being in my class two or three days a week. The frosting. Yeah. And me just, me putting them to the limits. Yeah. I'm brutal when it comes to training. Yeah, you're brutal on set too. Yeah, I I get what I want. And people, I mean... People thank me later, but sometimes it's intense because I, I have a high, high expectations when it comes to being honest. Yeah, I you know I will say I, I think uh, the listeners need to know a little bit about your directing style, which I think is uh, I've never seen it from any other director, which I actually really enjoy. Thank you. Is you're able to get a performance from a real life experience. So you get to know your actors. I do. You know them very personally mm-hmm. and you're able to tap into their like weaknesses, yeah, <laughs> like some super villain <laughs> and draw out these insanely emotional, incredible performances yeah. from these people that, you know, two years ago couldn't, they, you know, they couldn't act at all. No, they couldn't tap into it. And, yeah. And, you know, going through the whole process, you know, teaching them to hit their marks, mm-hmm. break down a scene properly, but tap into and connect on whatever level, you know. And when it comes to acting, there are no rules. It's whatever works. Real life experience, you know, emotional memory, sympathy, empathy, compassion, imagination. I don't really care how an actor gets there, but if they're having a hard time getting there, I'm going to help them. And the, I think the difference between working with seasoned award-winning actors out of LA and independent actors is, I mean, seriously, if, if I'm, if I'm directing, uh, you know, Denzel Washington in a scene, an emotional scene, what am I going to tell him? You're emotional. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll tell him whatever I need to, but these guys, these actors are ready. They've, yeah. they've been there. Yeah. They've had the, they've had the, um, the years of preparation and experience to drop on. Some of these actors are newer. So I let them know, you know, that I'm going to I'm going to do whatever it takes and they they're willing participants going to that. I'm never going to try to embarrass someone and you never hear me give an actor a line reading. Uh, you've never heard me on the set go, "Cut, here's how you say it." I I just embarrassed them and I basically um, I've torn them down their creative emotional 
um, abilities. I've told them how to do it. And so I try to get performance by giving ideas and inspiration. But at the end of the day, they have to feel it came from them. If they feel it came from me, they can. Yeah, right. They're they're not they're going to resent it. But it's, so I'm just there as a sounding board. If I have to pull them aside, um, if I have to whisper in their ear, or yell so, at them. Sometimes I yell. Yeah, I mean, I and I've seen I've seen it all, and, and I, I but I but I understand where it's coming from. You know, yeah. it's like some some people that uh, drop in on a set might go, "Wow, that guy was a little intense." Yeah, but I know where you're doing it, and you get yep. the performances that you're after. Yeah, and actors are always grateful. I've never had an actor that resented me for letting them be subpar because hmm. I don't I I demand excellence out of out of my, my cast and crew my crew I already know I've I've got excellence mm-hmm. my 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 actors I know what they can be but it's all it's hard to do a take again and again especially the type of movies I make mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm taking people from the top and bringing them down into the depths of sorrow and building them back up again those are the type of movies I like you know, and dramas win Academy Awards for a reason because yeah. people open up their guts, heart, and soul. Yeah. And that's, you remembered for that. Not that I don't love comedy. I'm getting ready to direct a, a comedy. Yeah. But drama is, is different. And I would, the same way I talk to an independent actor, I would talk to a big name actor. I don't mm. care. I'm about, if you're in my movie, you're there because we're working together as actor, director to get the best performance that we possibly can. Yeah. So. So what's next for Rob Diamond? Um, really getting this film that we just got in the can through post. I want to get it distri- distributed. Uh, hopefully, I'm looking for February Valentine's Day. I think it's a unique Valentine's Day because it is a story about a husband and a wife. Mm. Um, there's love in it, and <laughs> it's fighting. I I just wanted I, w- I want to see if I could get a few people to bite onto it for Valentine's Day. Interesting. Um, if not, yeah. you know, April May, and then I'm I'm slated for. Three more features mm-hmm. um, coming up, one at the end of this year, two next year. And I've got um, the sitcom pilot I'm directing that you're going to come out and shoot for me. Really yeah. funny. And um, I just always write. I'm always in the workshop. I've got, you know, I've got 12 screenplays right now fully developed, ready to shoot. Wow. And then I'm always working on other ones. I never stop writing unless I'm, you know, into production on a movie. I'm always working on a story. And develop, and then the one that I'm supposed to make kind of presents itself hmm. um, with talent or locations. talent, money, anything. It just like hmm. you know, what, because I, I always have so many projects in mind. I'm starting to get a lot of other people coming to me now, though, wanting me to direct theirs or, or produce, help produce or theirs, or, and yeah. and I love that or inspiring other people. I, you know, I've always had a vision that I don't always want to write, direct, and produce. Some of these young people, I want to produce their stuff. So I have a few out there that are writing scripts and I'm, I'm kind of mentoring them on and they're going out and getting the money. I'm going to produce some films for them mm-hmm. um, because I want to be doing three or four films a year yeah. where I'm producing and, and part of the whole process, but I don't always have to direct and write it. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little brutal. <laughs> it is, but it's, it's part of it, you know, yeah. but just the things in producing people understand like, you know, they just don't know, like when we're filming a scene in this last film, you know, I, I'm directing an emotional scene and within five minutes I find out the location's going to shut me down because they want 10 more thousand. One of my actors couldn't make it and, uh-huh. and they, they had to recast was, him. And then our, our you know, oh, one of our, we, we our, lost our, some footage. Well, we lost some footage. Yeah. And then our second AC lost her cat. 
Oh yeah, and our, yeah. and then and then our sound guy. Yeah, I got to call it five yeah. in the morning. He best was friend, destroyed. Best yeah, friend passed. Died, yeah. So, so that's what a producer deals with. And so <laughs> all in one day. Yeah. So I'm trying to. Okay, yeah. I can deal with these fires, but right now let me get this take. You know, mm-hmm. and if you're going to produce, I think there, you got to go in producing it the right way. That you're there to produce the film until you have a product that goes all the way through distribution. Yeah. And so that means whatever fires you need to put out. Um, and and you're dealing, you're managing personalities, and you know, creatives um, are the the coolest people in the world, and and sometimes some of them are more sensitive, and and I'm 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 really compassionate about what people go through, like I never go to deal with it. I, I mean, I never deal with it, guy. Yeah, because people have different ways that they deal with. It. I mean, in that one day, we were dealing with some really great people that I love on that set. Our sound guy, his best friend, died in his arms the night before, and yeah. that guy decides to show up on set if he if he went like this and said rob i gotta walk i wouldn't have blinked an eye of course you have to yeah so you're yeah yeah and then another um another one of our lost uh, a beloved animal yeah and so you're you just have to be you know like the actor that it, it was it was someone who you know had committed and they're part of the sponsorship and a real it, it had a big social media following and there was a misunderstanding i didn't have time or days or money to go, okay, let's wait a few days and replace it. I had to replace two people within <laughs> an hour. And I pulled it off and we watched the movie. You won't be able to tell that they were Who cast. Was it? Link. Link? I thought Link was Link. one of my favorite people there. He was one of my favorite. He was going to play the ring announcer. Wow. And then he went to the TV announcer. And one of the guys that was the judge as a newer actor, only trained for a couple months, stepped in to do the announcer. Yeah. And we tried that the first day, but we needed a little bit more time. He, he needed more time for the, the lines. The next day he came yeah. back and nailed it. Yeah, it was awesome. We were able to get audience reactions in the yeah. meantime and stuff. And so that's what you're trying to do as yeah. a producer. I yeah. just, you know, I just can't just direct. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I, I I look forward to the future, Rob. I Me can't too, tell you how pr- much I appreciate your friendship, uh, and uh, I I'm excited to work in the future. I feel the same way, and uh, you know, it's about surrounding yourself with really cool, creative people, and that that's how you're successful. You're no man's an island. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being on Thanks, the podcast. Bro. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around. Again, if you have someone in mind uh, that is a creative that's doing very well as a creative, please send them my way. Or if you are a creative that you think are doing pretty well, contact me. Let's see if we can set something up. I think it's time for me to expand those horizons. Anyway, guys, we will see you next week.